Welcome to Bits of Gold, episode 125. Today's episode is all about how to land your dream job. Welcome back to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you're new here, first off, welcome, and I'm so glad you're here. Second, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. More subscribers help attract more amazing guests to help better serve you with incredible content on how to live with purpose. Before we dive in, a quick message from our sponsor. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, let's get to it. It is my firm belief that life is too short to not have a job that at the bare minimum you enjoy. It's my wish, my desire though, that everyone should find a career that they love. Too many people settle for jobs in which they are good at, but they truly do not find satisfying. On today's episode, we will be discussing how to land your dream job, how to make a career move that lights you up, and some incredibly helpful tactics to help you crush any interview and land the job of your dreams. Today, my guest is Madeline Mann. Madeline is an HR and recruiting leader who is known for her award-winning job search YouTube and TikTok channels, Self Made Millennial, garnering an audience of millions of people. Mann's job search, Coaching programs have led to thousands of success stories, and her work has been featured on ABC, Bloomberg, New York Times, and more. And now let's welcome Madeline to the show. Welcome to the Bits of Gold podcast. So excited to have you on today. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. Yeah, I've been following you on LinkedIn. I'm sure you get that all the time these days, but I'd love to kick this one off. Maybe you could just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Absolutely. So I'm Madeline Mann. I am the creator of Self Made Millennial, which is a YouTube channel, TikTok, and resource for job seekers. Essentially, I was a human resources leader in the technology industry. I loved my work every single day. But what I was noticing was that there was very specific things that people who landed the job, landed the promotion, what they did to get so far in their career so quickly versus those who were just as talented, but kept getting stuck. And so I started creating content just for fun to share with people. And over the course of the past few years, it has led to thousands of success stories. I ended up starting to coach people because the demand for this help was so high. And it's just been an absolute whirlwind. I've been on feature on ABC and Bloomberg and New York Times and all these amazing places. And it's just been really amazing to the point where even though I loved my job, I ended up leaving it to do this all full time. Wow, that's, that's incredible. I'm excited to dive in here. I'm curious, just when you were working, it sounds like you really loved your job. Can you talk a little bit about the job that you had, what you were doing, what that looked like on a day to day basis? Absolutely. I worked in human resources. So I was managing all of the different aspects of HR. So of course, the recruiting side, talent acquisition, working with hiring managers, determining who are we going to hire and building the hiring process and evaluating people. And then, then from there, helping to bring those people onto the team, onboarding them, getting them situated, then thinking about how do we retain these people? How do we make sure that this is the highlight of their career? How do we train them? And so I did a lot of um, strategic work there. Then finally, you know, really the organizational development and of course the, the administrative side of let's make sure that the company 
doesn't get sued, that we are doing appropriate things to make sure that our international employees have what they need. So I really, I touched every aspect of human resources and I found it extremely exciting and extremely rewarding. That's awesome. So how does your business come about? I know you mentioned like a couple of seconds ago, you just started by making content. I'd love to dive really deep into your journey and just how, how your business became what it is today. So I first was thinking, I need to help people. Because when you were reading thousands of resumes at scale, and when you were doing so many interviews, not only me doing interviews, but I was in the room every single time when a hiring manager or an interviewer was giving feedback about something that someone did right or wrong and the reason why they were hiring them. And so I thought, there are so many people who need help. And so I started responding to applications that were sent to the business, telling them why we didn't choose them, which is completely unheard of for any uh, job seeker. But what I found was most people are not good with unsolicited feedback. So I got some pretty angry emails back and I thought, this is not the right way to do it. So I sat down, I started writing out YouTube video scripts because I've always loved video as a medium. And they poured out of me so quickly. I think I wrote 50 pages in one night of all the things I needed to tell professionals and job seekers with very specific examples of what I've seen day to day of what's working because so much of this advice is extremely outdated. All the things that I was told to pursue in my career, not all of them, but many of them ended up not being very helpful and actually ended up being damaging in some ways in my career. And so I just started putting out these videos. And I think one thing that's important, Dan, is like you look now, my, my audience is over a million across platforms and all of that, but it was a slow roll. It's not that I got on the scene and then suddenly everyone adored me. It was a slow roll, but it was extremely rewarding because I wasn't doing it for the money. I wasn't doing it. I wasn't going to make any money for years. It was more of helping people and sharing something that I was really passionate about. You chose YouTube as the medium to start on? Yes. And then obviously there's today, there's so many mediums that you could play on. And it sounds like some of them you're very active on. I know LinkedIn, one of them, TikTok, podcasting, obviously. Why do you choose YouTube? And I guess, how do you start to trickle over into some of the other mediums? I think I chose YouTube because it seemed like one of the hardest ones to do. I like a challenge and I like when there's high barriers of entry to things because it means that I have more potential to knock it out of the park and stand out. And I also, I really enjoy being on camera too. It's funny though, I have released my bloopers from the first, I don't know, several dozen videos that I did. And I was, I'm not a natural on camera. I just more, again, I loved the challenge of saying, I'm not a natural on camera, but let's, let's see if I can make it happen. And so that's where it started. And then of course, yeah, I think LinkedIn was my second platform, which is another platform I absolutely adore. And that was really fun. And, and of course, it was a very natural transition being it that is really the place people go when they're looking for a job. Yeah. So when you first started making content on YouTube, what was the thing that you focused on? Was it how to help people land the job they want? Was it like interview prep? What was the type of content that you started with? The content I started with, which I think is actually pretty normal for people starting out, was a bit of a throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. It was all career content, but it spanned from things like how to have an effective meeting to how to get promoted to how to ace the job interview. And over time, I have moved more, not even more, I've moved essentially exclusively to talking about the job search versus once you're in the job, even though I do have some, some great content on, on once you're in the job and a lot of HR insights about that. 
And would you say most of the people that you work with today, are they just starting their career? Are they in the middle of their career? Are they like late 20s, early 30s? Or is it kind of all across the board? Yeah, I would say it was mostly 30s and 40s. Um, Some people like, you know, 50s, 60s and above, and then like a smattering of people who are in their 20s. But, you know, my channel is called Self-Made Millennial. So 30s and 40s is basically the, the sweet spot there. So a lot of people who are in the stride of their career and they are climbing, they have all this great value. And a lot of them, especially in this time, in this just this day and age, a lot of them are also career transitioning. And when you say career transitioning, just to be clear, are you talking about actually making like a, a jump to an entirely new career? Yes. A lot of them are completely changing their role title, maybe changing their industry. They are looking at their life and saying, I'm good at my job and I could land another one of these, but I'm not happy. I'm not really lit up. And it's kind of this complacency that a lot of high performers have of you could keep going and you could keep making good money, but are we really going to spend most of our waking hours doing something that is actually draining us by the end of the day and making us maybe not the most pleasant person to eat dinner with, with our loved ones at night? Like people are realizing and waking up saying I can have better. I'm excited to talk a little bit about that because that is a scary jump for many. I think it's an interesting thing, especially hearing you say that. And that's why most people are coming to you for help with, because obviously, you know, like I feel, especially as you start to climb the ladder and go from, let's just say early twenties, where you're trying to like figure out what you want to do, let's say mid twenties or late twenties, you kind of figure it out. And then maybe by thirties, it's like, oh, maybe a lot of people, I feel a lot of people get married, start a family and they have a lot more obligation. What do you see as it relates to I guess the pressure and people being able to make that jump successfully. Completely. I think you're spot on. I think in our 20s, we don't do the actual hard work of figuring out what exactly we want. I see a lot of people take what I call TV careers, where they basically pursue a career that's one of the 12 careers that basically every TV character has. Oh, they're going to be a nurse. They're going to be a journalist. They're going to be a, a lawyer, whatever it is. And there's so much more out there that is. Yes, any of those roles could actually be perfect for you, but for the amount of people who go into those roles, it's not perfect for all of them. And so I think a lot of people skip over that step of soul searching before they job search, and they get pretty terrible advice from loved ones and professors that guide them towards these kind of these paths that really end up not, you know, in their 30s and 40s end up they look around and they say, "How did I end up here?" And this is not <laughs> what I wanted. What's really scary is a lot of people think, well, it's too late. I'm too far into this. And the next thing they say is, but I still have so much of life to live. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the bottom. I'm going to pick the next career I want to, and I'm going to go for lower level roles. I'll, I'll take a pay cut. When I'm working with my clients, they don't take pay cuts. You are a whole person. Who has had decades of experience. You don't actually need to dive into the entry level of a new career in order to, to succeed. You don't need to get another master's degree in order to be taken seriously. There are shortcuts you can take and there's ways of branding yourself that can help you to do this. And I, I mean, I also work, I have a, an amazing client, Gail, who she's 59, who she made this transition into a totally different career and increased her income and all that stuff and is just thriving. So it's not too late. I think a lot of people just are a little bit too complacent with the, I just need to apply online and, and wait till the company gets back to me and aren't 
really finding these alternative paths, which is what I help people to do is like, all right, like, let's cut through the thicket. Like, let's, we're not going to go the long way to this next career step, which is, you know, the traditional get a degree, just apply online, see what happens. No, we're, we're going straight to it and you'll land it within 60 to 90 days. That's incredible. Before we jump into some of the tactical things. Yeah. I'm very curious because obviously you work with a ton of people who are in that point of transition or trying to figure out what they want to do professionally and how they get there. Why do you think people settle for jobs that they don't like? They don't know what else is out there. And they also sometimes don't have the confidence to go after what else is out there. I think a lot of people will follow things like their hobbies. I really advise against following your hobbies for for professions. You end up, a lot of people just end up hating their hobbies in that way. And instead focus on your values and like, what are the things you really want out of a job? What is the life you want to live? And how is that job going to facilitate that lifestyle? And uh, yeah, a lot of people, again, they don't do the hard work. And I've created a systematic process of figuring out, okay, exactly what is your next career step? Because that is the hardest part of the job search is figuring out is what do you want? That's really hard, but most people will, will hitchhike. What they'll do is they'll, they'll stick out their thumb to basically a bunch of different companies, a bunch of different jobs, and whichever job drives by and picks them up, that's the direction they're driving in. That makes sense. You know, I imagine it's tough, especially if you're, if you're at the beginning of the career, your career, where you really have virtually very little professional experience. I always say, and I'm curious if you would agree, disagree, I always say that your 20s is like the best time to be an explorer, to put on this explorer cap and just try everything and anything. And obviously, that doesn't mean just say yes to every opportunity that comes your way, but be open to trying a lot of different things, to jumping around. So I'm 29. And I find it funny because I remember early on in like when I was in college, even after school, after graduating, a lot of people would say, oh, you, you can't leave a job before one year because it's going to look terrible on your resume. And I, and I would be like, that is crazy to me because if you've tried something, you realize after six months, seven months, eight months, this thing isn't for you, jump ship and go try something different. And just try to use those experiences as data points to try to guide what it is you like doing, what it is you want to do, and also what it is that you don't want to do and the things that have no interest to you. Yeah. I think there's even a faster way to do it. I do agree you should be trying different things, but you don't actually have to take a job to know if you'll like it or not. And I think that this is something that a lot of people don't realize is that they'll hear a job, they'll read the job description. Maybe they'll do a little bit of online research and they say, I'm going to apply and they'll land that job. And then Exactly. You're right. Six months later, they realize this isn't the right thing. And I completely agree. If it's not the right thing, especially in your early 20s, as someone who's read many resumes, we are very forgiving with early 20s hopping to different things. So that is definitely the time to do it. What I really recommend is, and this is how I decided on human resources, because no little girl grows up wanting to be a human resources manager, (laughs) you know? So I actually had talked to over 50 different professions, people in different professions who all had um, a psychology degree. Growing up like in school, I always worked really hard in school. Things never came immediately easily to me, but any psychology class I took, the AP psychology or anything in college, I could memorize it within seconds. I always knew everything. Like I, I was like, wow, this is what it feels like to just be instantly good at something. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, I need to make sure this this superpower is used um, in my next profession. So I talked to over 50 different professionals and I was like, oh, of course, the first thing you think of is I'm going to be a therapist. Well, I talked to people who were therapists and it completely went against my values. I'm someone who's a high achiever. So I really like to climb the ladder. You don't really climb the ladder if you're a therapist. 
I love working on a team and collaborating with people. Therapists, you have like a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients. So there's just a lot of things that just didn't make sense for the what I wanted in my career. And I think what a lot of people do is they skip over the part of understanding themselves and then looking at different career paths and then doing that hard work and then choosing your next job. I started my career in human resources when I was 21 because I did all this hard work ahead of time. So I didn't have to hit those, those uh, dead ends. What would you say about, I feel a lot of people sometimes when they want to take a jump to a new career path, sometimes they paint a picture of the grass is greener on the other side. And this idea of like, I would call it a fantasy career, right? Like the thing you think you want to do, the thing you are chasing, or you tell yourself, if I can do that, that would be the coolest thing in the world. But you don't have the experience of actually doing the thing, right? Like maybe you painted a picture that that thing is really something what it's not. Do you find that that's common when people are looking to, to jump and the idea that the grass isn't always as green as, as you make it? Or I'm curious what you think about that. Absolutely. I don't believe in the phrase, do what you love and you won't work a day in your life. Work is work. And I will say I'm the type of person who, who goes to, who went to my job in human resources and also now is the CEO of my own business. I look forward to Mondays. I'm excited. I'm energized. That doesn't mean that work isn't work. And I think that I remember when I did a short stint in market research, a very numbers driven person. I love also market research is very psychology based. So the numbers plus psychology, it actually sounded like the perfect career for me. And I did end up landing an internship at um, a market research firm. And I remember imagining myself as the leader of the team. He got to analyze all the data and come up with great recommendations for the clients that ended up turning into campaigns and all this cool stuff. And I ended up talking to each person on the team who worked below him. And I said, how long are you in your position? What do you do every day? I ratcheted up, what am I going to have to do to, to get to him where he's actually doing the interesting stuff? I would have had to work for at least a decade, I think, doing the grunt work of the getting the, you know, testing the surveys and, and checking the data and, and all these things that didn't actually inspire me. And I knew that even though that, that end job seemed really cool, I was not willing to put in the work for those 10 years to make it there. And that's a question that a lot of people don't ask themselves. They see the end place, they say, that sounds cool, but they have not done their due diligence to understand the steps that get there. And life is too short to spend 10 years not enjoying the journey. Mm, you need to make sure you're going to enjoy the journey of wherever you're aspiring to get to. Exactly. I read a really interesting article once that said something to the effect of, what are you willing to suffer for? And that's a great way to figure out what it is you really want to do. Because a lot of people have dreams of things that they think they want to do. And then when it comes time to the suffering, the, the grunt work and on that journey, you know, a lot of people don't want to do those early mornings, late nights, and the real hard work. Yes. And that's the thing is, and that's one of the reasons why my business right now is so successful. Dan, the amount of grunt work I did to make my, my business as successful as it is, it was depressing at times. I mean, people online are very mean. Um, there's so much work that goes into getting a brand to, you know, to be seen by millions of people. It was not all fun. I did enjoy the the whole process, the amount that I have learned in the past four years, like you could equate it to several MBAs at this point. Like I've, I've done so many different programs. I've just been in the trenches and I know you can relate. I'm sure you at this point basically have the equivalent of several MBAs with all the businesses you've created. And so it really is, you have to enjoy that process of learning and thriving and all that stuff. And if, it, if you're not, 
that is a clue you're not in the right place. That's certainly great advice. On your own journey, I suppose, what has that been like? At what point in your own journey did you say, hey, I have a business here? Did you have enough confidence to also like make the jump from leaving your job to go and pursue your own business full time? Yes. So it was interesting. Everyone would always ask me, Madeline, when are you going to leave your job? And my answer was never. I'm going to keep working in human resources. I'm going to become the chief HR officer. Like that is my path. And me helping people on the side is kind of like what I just do as a hobby out of the goodness of my heart. And it was really interesting. I had that conversation just a few weeks prior. And then I meet with my accountants to close Q1 of my business and just kind of open up what we're going to focus on for Q2. And my business was more successful in one quarter than I would have you know, made in my entire year of, of working at my job. And it wasn't even just that. It was the number of emails I was getting per day from people all across the world that I was changing their life. That impact was so much bigger than what I was doing at my job that I really enjoyed that I thought every single signal is telling me that this is what I need to do and this is what I need to focus my effort on. I think I resigned a few days later. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. In your business, what would you say is like the breakdown of how you're producing income in, in your business? Is it mainly from YouTube? Is it through coaching, workshops? It's from coaching mainly. I do have a coaching program called Standout Job Search, and it has just been the pride of my life. It's where people come in and just completely transform their career for the rest of their lives. And that has been the major bulk of what my business has been focused on. Got it. That's absolutely incredible. Let's talk about the transformative work that you're doing with people day in and day out. So someone comes to you and they say, I want to get a new job. Where do you normally start with them and take us through that process? Sure. So the first step is I can truly get help anyone get any job, but if you don't know what that job is, I cannot help you. Well, of course I can help you. I can help you figure out what that job is. So that's always the first step is building this, what I what we have in the program called a one page career vision, which if you've ever heard of the one page, I think it's called the one page marketing plan or something like that. It's an amazing book. And I read it and I was like, wow, it's like this, this plan where you can see your entire marketing strategy on one page. And I said, what if you could have that for your career? So that's the first step is not only knowing, okay, what, what's your next industry? What's your next role, which is actually extremely difficult for a lot of people to narrow down, 
but also having those non-negotiables, really understanding exactly what you're targeting, because that is the main thing I coach people on is figuring out exactly what you want. Then you, you find the glory in your story. So I have these amazing approaches that allow people to really have their expertise shine through, even if they're career changing, even if they're an unconventional candidate. And then finally, really making sure that we're closing the deal when it comes to these job offers. Because I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is they can land the interview, but it's the job offer that how do we make it so that these, these people say, oh my gosh, like we need Dan, like we need to not, we need to even maybe increase our, our budget for this role. So we, Dan doesn't get away. I've seen that happen for some of my clients who had never even worked in that industry or had like a five-year employment gap and they were still getting, you know, begged to work at these companies. So it's really, it's so fun to see these transformations of people going from job seekers to job shoppers. Let's just rewind for a second. So how do you ensure as the individual who's applying for the job that you make it to just even secure an interview? You need to measure your job search in interactions, not applications. So what so many people do is they'll say, Madeline, I have this goal of sending out 50 job applications a week and I'm on my way. And I say, that literally tells me nothing about if you're going to be successful. All you're telling me is you're putting your application into a bunch of databases. And working in HR, I know that not every resume is read. So how do you know that this is even going anywhere? The second piece is so many people have what I call autobiography syndrome where they love to market themselves on LinkedIn and on their resume, where they, they do kind of an autobiography. They do a Wikipedia page, essentially, of everything that they've done and all these different dynamics about what makes them such an interesting professional, when really a company is looking for you to solve a problem, to solve a challenge. And you saying less on your resume, saying less on your LinkedIn, even saying less in the interview, and being more precise and more in tune with what the company is looking for is going to get you far more job offers than you kind of orating on all these amazing dynamics about your past and all these different industries you've worked in. That's extremely distracting. That makes sense. So how do you stand out to ensure that you get to like that final round interview or even to get that interview in the first place? So we have quite a lot of strategies here. One of the, my strategies that I teach is job search parkour. If you're familiar with parkour, it is this method of taking these unconventional means to get across an urban landscape. And that is really what I'm teaching is because all of these online application systems are completely flooded. And if you look at some of these major, I, I do come from the tech industry. I've helped people land jobs in all different industries. But if, I, if we're just talking about the tech industry for right now, if you look at a lot of these big tech companies, they typically hire about 10% of their employees from applications. I'm not here to give people 10% job search advice or you know job search success advice. You need to find these other ways. You need to parkour your way instead of standing in a line outside this building, hoping that your, your, your resume will be, will be read versus the other person who's parkouring. They're, they're climbing up the side of the, the chimney. They're going onto the, the ledge. They're hopping into the third floor window. That's really what it's all about. So getting in, in the door through alternative ways, yes. not just through dropping in an application in the bucket. Do you have any like tips, hacks, or how you go about getting that foot in the door? I've heard it time and time again, and I'm sure you see it so much more than me, but people have come to me, hey, I want to get a new job. What do you think I should do? Or how do I go about doing it, especially people who are early in their career? 
And they say similar things to the effect of like, I message a lot of people on LinkedIn or I filled out a bunch of applications, but I haven't heard from anyone. And I always say like, no one checks their LinkedIn messages. And similar to what you said, obviously without having the data point there, I say everyone is probably just sending in an application. You have to do something to make yourself stand out beyond just dropping an application. So do you have any sort of like tips of how you can actually go about making yourself stand out? Absolutely. So I would say that one of the things that my clients really like is that they don't have to do much outreach and they don't have to do much online applications at all. All their opportunities, not all of them, but many of the opportunities come to them directly. Like I'll give you an example. My client, Liz, she got her resume done professionally. She paid for it to get done. She sent out 15 applications. She was qualified for these roles. It wasn't some wild roles that she was applying to. And she got zero interviews. And she writes to that resume writer and says, what's going on here? I'm not getting any, any hits. And they go, oh, apply to 15 more and then get back to me. You need to apply to at least 30, which that is not an approach I do with any of my clients. It's always a very low volume job search. And so what we did is a huge part of what can make it so that you're you can go job shopping and your your job search is pretty low effort is really optimizing your LinkedIn profile. So Liz really implemented these amazing things. And she said, Madeline, when I started working with you, when I joined your program, I didn't send out a single other application or DM or anything. She landed seven interviews, I believe, from companies that were just pursuing her. They were just noticing her, getting her. And then she landed three job offers and ended up getting like a massive salary increase and is now like traveling the world on this like really cool international job. And that is not an unusual story. This happens all the time. I had another person who he was worried he wasn't going to get his visa sponsorship renewed. And with making sure that he was optimized on LinkedIn, he was getting outreaches from, from YouTube and Adobe and all these amazing companies who were like, yeah, we'll sponsor you. I just think that people, yeah, are working really hard in the job search and not smart. What do you think it is about LinkedIn? Is it that having a strong presence on there is building some sort of domain authority? I think the secret in this day and age to having career security, and I say career security, I don't think job security is real, but you can have career security, is being the most easily found person in your profession. That's it. It's the same as if if we need a plumber and I type into Google and see who shows up, probably the best plumber might not show up at the top, but the, but the most easily found one will. And that is what you need to think about in the future of work, is if you are the best kept secret in your industry, it doesn't matter how great you are, you are not going to have an easy breezy career where you can be in the driver's seat, you can be the job shopper who's choosing what's your next step, you need to be found. So obviously, you know, you have a tremendous presence on LinkedIn. What's your take on how someone should tell their story or present themselves on LinkedIn? It's funny. There was actually a Wall Street Journal article that a buddy sent me the other day that went into great depth about how LinkedIn has become such a a medium around personal stories that it should be just for professional. And I'm curious what your take is. Personally, I didn't I didn't necessarily agree with the article because I think you know we're we're humans first, career second. I obviously know LinkedIn's a professional platform, but I'm curious like what your take is. I got into a little bit of a friendly debate with my buddy who sent to me. He's like, LinkedIn's supposed to be only professional. I'm like, no, 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 that's that's not what I think. But I'm curious what your take is. Yeah, that's definitely been a debate that's been raging on. I would say I don't actually have a huge, I don't have a huge opinion on that because in the end, 
what LinkedIn needs to be is you need to not chase likes. You need to chase building relationships and kind of generating opportunities. So you can post personal things if that helps you to build those relationships or, or whatnot. But in the end, what I think mo most people do is that they're, they don't know what they're doing on LinkedIn. Their profile is confusing. I get to it. Their headline says seeking new opportunities. As a business owner, what do I hire you for? Okay, you're seeking new opportunities. So what? I don't, I don't know what, you're, what value you add to the world. So I think a lot of people are just kind of flailing on the platform not really showing their value. And so I think that's the number one thing is, is you can post whatever you want as long as there's some sort of intention behind it. That makes sense. So let's discuss a couple of popular interview questions and what you would recommend how people should answer those questions. So three that I want to highlight, and you can answer them kind of in no order, but in whatever order you want. Why should we hire you? where you see yourself in a few years, and what's your greatest weakness? Okay. I would say why should we hire you is one of those questions that I think a lot of people hate answering because it kind of feels like it's a challenge. Like, why should we hire you? And you're just thinking, you asked me to interview. Like, why are you asking me this? You should want the employer to ask you this. Like, this is probably the greatest question they can ask you because really all they're saying is, like just make everything extremely clear as to why you're the best fit. So I can not have to really do a lot of hard work in my mind. This is like the softest softball they're throwing you of just like, give me the list of why you're great. And I'll just pass along to the hiring team. And then we can just, because a lot of people, when, when you're buying a product or you're hiring a person, you want to be excited about who you're hiring, what you're getting. You want to be told, okay, here's why this is great. So anyways, what I recommend as a response to this is essentially summarizing what you understand about the role. So Dan, what I understand is you're looking for someone to come in and build a lot of KPIs and OKRs for your business and really just take all, everything off your plate as far as managing your employees so that you can step away and focus on the strategy. And then the second piece you want to say is how does your expertise fit in with that? Well, based on everything you've told me, I see in my experience, I've done X, Y, Z, to be that in, in different functions, blah, 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 right? So, and then what I typically recommend ending the question on is, Dan, is that how you see me in the role? Or is that, are we aligned there? Or would you add anything? And now you're in the conversation with me of, okay, Madeline, like I would say like the one piece of the role that you left out was this. And I, I you know, like, how would you address that or whatever? So now we're having a conversation. So I think that that, that question is gold for the person who's being interviewed. And it's just, it's such a great opportunity to dig deeper into why you'd be great and help them to just completely just vouch for you after this interview. I could tell you're great at what you do. I'm like, God, oh, that makes a lot of sense. What would you say in regards to what's your greatest weakness? Uh, I think that this one is another really tricky one. In my career, especially my early career, I've said some really awful answers to this. I think someone said, Oh, uh, like I don't have the best memory and just stuff like that. That is just so not good. Don't say you're, you're a perfectionist. That is like the most overused one. And it's also, it's just not going to help you. So what you want to do here is you want to show that you have self-awareness. I don't think you should do something like I work too hard. I care too much. You should say an actual weakness. So think about something that you've gotten feedback on. And then the next step is kind of say, Hey, so I got some feedback that I really need to work on X. And so then your next step is to talk about the steps you've taken to work on that. Maybe you've, you've taken classes or the next project, you, you focus more on it. And then the final step is, is to kind of really 
just basically tell them what have your results been so far. I don't think that your weakness should be something that you are resolved of, of like, oh, I had this one weakness and it's done. No, I mean, it's probably something that you're still working on. By saying that answer, you're showing that you have a growth mindset, that you're self-aware, that you're coachable, and that you are constantly trying to self-improve. That makes a lot of sense. And the last one, what about where do you see yourself in five years? This one, I think people really underestimate this question. I've seen this question basically get people rejected all the time. And here's why. They're asking this because when a company hires you for a longer term role, not not like a temporary contract role, they want to know that this is the right next step for you and not a career experiment where you're just thinking, huh, you know, again, you're, you're doing that hitchhiking where you're thinking, well, maybe I could go this way and maybe I could go that way. All right, I'll just end up at this company because what's terrifying for companies is they don't want to hire you, train you, and then you realize, ah, this isn't really the role I want. And then you leave for the role you actually wanted. So here's what a lot of people say when they're asked this question. Let's say it's you're interviewing for a marketing role. I think eventually I'd really love to go into product management. That would be great. Already, you just got disqualified because they're like, okay, so we're just going to bring you into the company just for you to want to immediately move. Some people will say, well, and this is, this is dangerous for uh, your entrepreneurs out there. Oh, well, my dream is to really start my own business or to you know, open my own coffee shop. In the eye of an employer, that doesn't make you sound like really ambitious. That makes you sound flighty. And so you really want to focus instead on why is this role the best next step and not about titles. Focus on the things you want to grow. Maybe, you know, I want to land this role in marketing because I really want to become the go-to expert at the business in SEO marketing. And over time, I would love to um, take on larger campaigns and bigger projects and even have like a, a group of people who I mentor in this field. Boom, right? Like it just feels so cohesive with what they're looking for versus you appearing like this is just a quick pit stop in your career before you get to where you actually want to be. Makes a lot of sense. Wow. I am completely fascinated by this conversation. It's amazing to me to think back. So I'm 29. It's amazing to think back to college and even high school that like none of this is discussed at all. Like I can't speak to obviously right now, but I'd be shocked if this is what's being taught in any college out there. It's completely absent. That is one of the reasons why I've devoted my life to it because I was poorly prepared. And even in the ways that I was prepared, I was prepared with the wrong information, which is, I think, even more damaging. Do you think that the job interview process, do you think that that's like the best way to go about trying to find talent and hire people? I've always thought it's quite hard to figure out if someone's a good fit from some conversations and essentially a couple interviews. And how do you really know if someone is a good fit or not in just a couple of interviews? When I worked in human resources, it was my job to basically build the interview process, right? And I'm telling you right now, most people who are interviewing you, they have no idea what they're doing. But the problem is, is that they think they know what they're doing. They could have been interviewing for 20 years. And what they'll do is they'll come into an interview, they'll just ask questions, then they'll make a decision based off of intuition. When I was training interviewers, most of them were not doing structured interviews, which means they have like a structured number of questions that they're asking people. They didn't realize they were doing this, but they would ask certain questions that would lead to, you know, basically helping along certain people in the interview and ask harder questions to people who they weren't as keen to. So that was already skewing everything. 
when I would ask them, okay, this, you're asking this question, why? And it would kind of be a fuzzy reason as to why. I was like, okay, now tell me what a good, okay, and bad answer to that question looks like. And they would realize that they had never thought about that. They could not create a scorecard of what a good, okay, and bad answer was because they would just kind of hear the answer and say, okay, I think I I felt good about that answer or whatnot. And then depending on where that person was in the hiring process or or how many people they had interviewed, their scoring of, of how those answers would be would be different because they would keep hearing different answers. Essentially, you can have an effective interview process, but most people are not willing to put in the work to get clear on the front end, just like job seekers are often not putting in the work ahead of time to get clear on what they want. Hiring teams are not getting clear on exactly what they're looking for in every interview. And so many of them are just repeating the same questions in every interview. They're not sharing information. They're not being effective. So interesting to hear. You know, we covered so many bits of gold on this episode around how to go about finding a career and getting that interview and getting your foot in the door and actually nailing it and and getting those job offers. I love your motto around becoming a job shopper and not a job seeker. I think that really empowers the individual. Are there any bits of gold that we have not covered that you would want our listeners to know around building a life of purpose, building a career with purpose, um, or just going about on their journey professionally? I found my dream career. And now I'm kind of on my second dream career at this point. Don't stop. Don't settle. You can find that right place for you. It's going to take work. It's going to take strategy. You probably shouldn't do it alone. You need to ask for help. You need to have a strategic approach to it. But out of everything in your life that you could do to improve it by choosing the right next step, the right next path in your career, I don't know if there's anything that has such a ripple effect on everything else in your life, your, your lifestyle, the way you can provide for your family, your emotions and well-being every single day, your health, all of these things. And so I think we're a little bit too passive when it comes to our careers and we need to be job shoppers. That's amazing. Where can people connect with you, find you, follow you, get in touch if they want to work with you? Absolutely. Head over to my website, madelineman.com. There's lots of free resources on there. You can get in touch as well as check out the YouTube channel, Self Made Millennial. Same name um, for my TikTok channel as well. Awesome, Madeline. Thank you so much for the time today. It's been my pleasure, Dan. All the links for this episode can be found in the show notes. I truly believe we all deserve to work happy. You don't have to love your job if that's not something that you desire, but you should at the very least find some level of enjoyment if you are working a nine to five. If you feel you're settling in your career or you just want more, apply some of the tools and tactics from Madeline. She also has some incredible content and resources on her website, madelineman.com, and I highly recommend you check it out if you are trying to switch jobs, look for a new job, become better at interviewing, or just figure out how to find more purpose, more happiness in your career. Finally, if you can, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps with growing the show and would mean the world. That's all for today. Thanks for living with purpose today and every day, and I'll see you next time. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.